Hey guys, it's Ashley Kirkwood, and today I just had an awesome interview with Odell Bazell. Oh my God, guys, you have to listen to this interview. It's a little bit longer than some of the other interviews. However, that's only because Odell drops gems, okay? He talked about Trio, how he got his first engagements, and the one thing that if he had a magic wand and could do it over, he would do. If you are at the beginning of your speaking career or even an established speaker that needs a plan of action, then this interview will change your world, okay? So let's jump right in. Welcome to the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast, a podcast where we teach speakers how to land paid speaking engagements and corporate contracts. Each week, we deliver high-quality content that teaches you how to level up your speaking business. Be sure to join the Speak Your Way to Cash Facebook group after having your mind blown by this information-filled episode. Now, here's your host, Ashley Kirkwood, lawyer and professional speaker. This is the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast. It's Ashley Kirkwood with the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast. And today we have with us Odell, who's going to talk to us about how he built his speaking empire and kind of what he's up to now. So Odell, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, what's going on, Ashley? I'm excited to be here. Excited to be speaking to everybody. Perfect. So why don't you introduce yourself to the Speak Your Way to Cash audience? Let us know kind of what you do now and how you got started in speaking and what, what role speaking plays in your business. Well, I think, first of all, Speak Your Way to Cash is, like, perfect for <laughs> doing. So I want to applaud you on that. Finding titles and stuff for me is always so hard. So when people, like, nail it, I always want to give them uh, props for that. Thank um, you. Speaking, no problem. Speaking for me now, uh, primarily where my business is, I am, gosh, what year is it? I'm 11 years in. Congrats. Uh, been doing it for a pretty long time now and the majority of my business comes from the college market so I would say 95% of my clients are colleges and universities or small colleges and community colleges and uh, my business model is basically you know the bulk of my money comes from you know on-site speaking engagements I also do some training um, on the side. So I have a revenue stream from that. And uh, books. So books are a, a huge part of what I do. And uh, that that's, that's the gist of it. That's like the overview of the overview. Okay, perfect. And that's good. I interviewed um, Dave Rendell and he was saying that he does, he has books as well. And he recommends that's one thing every new speaker should have is a book. Yeah. So the book thing, I, I, it's weird because I've written, I'm working on number eight now. Wow. Um, I'm a writer. So if I, I've often heard from different mentors that I've had, like either you're a speaker that's forced to write or you're a writer that's forced to speak. And for me, I've always loved to do both. Um, but if, if you had to like, you know, put me underneath, a, you know, a, um, a lie detector test to say which one would I want to do more, it would be writing. I just love to write. It's just something about, you know, being in that isolated place where I get to create my own um, world, if you will. It's just something magical, something, you know, divine about that that I love. Uh, but it's also matched when I actually get on the stage and I'm in front of people speaking. So uh, for me, I started writing like I wanted to write and then the money was so slow. Uh, I, uh, I came out of college and was like, Hey, I got this book that I wrote. And then it was, you know, back in 2007, 2008. What was your first book? Um, y'all will never see it. It's (laughs) (laughs) retired. I I will, I will share the name. It's called barely out of college, barely out of wealth. And that book was about how I made a lot of money when I was in high school. I've always been entrepreneurial. Uh, me and my best friend made about 75K selling candy in high school. What? Yeah, the book talks about that, what we did, how silly we were with our money, um, and just, you know, coming into college, different business uh, ventures we went into, um, different scams that I got into that caused me to lose most of my money, and how I almost flunked out of college, and, you know, kind of how college students and young adults can learn from that. And uh, I say you'll never see it because it was so badly done. Like it was (laughs) was formatted wrong. Like it looks like a, 
a paper, like a college right. paper on a book. Like it was so <laughs> bad. It was so bad. And so I've since, you know, repurposed that information into different books, but it, the the cover wasn't good. It it, was, it just wasn't good. So like I, you might be able to find it if you Googled it, but it, it's it's not a good like formatted book. But okay. Um, that was my first book, and I I I, uh, I just wasn't selling it. And then I took it to a conference. I took it to um, APCA APCA to the to an APCA conference. I didn't even like speak at the APCA conference. I just went. And um, had the book and some students. I networked with them, gave them my book. I guess they liked it enough to want to hire me. And they hired me and they paid me like $3,200. Um, me and my wife had just got married. And so I was like, hey, we flying to Louisiana. Let's go. Right. And, um, and then it was like when, when, when they asked me what I charged, I, I was like, I don't know. Because I got paid, you know, few hundred dollars to do some local stuff but it's like I'm flying all the way to Louisiana um and then like the total ended up being like 3,200 bucks and I said yo this is more than I'm making on my job in a month I I can do this so that's that's kind of how it started so writing a book if if that's where your inspiration is I think you can do it um if your content is good enough long enough you'll eventually write a book Yes, that makes a lot of sense. And I want to back up a little bit because you said you've been speaking for about 11 years. How did you get started? So did you come out of college and know right away, okay, I am going to build a speaking business or what was your first paid speaking engagement that led you to start thinking, okay, I can do this full time? Right. So I owe, man, I owe a lot to former professor, Dr. Pond, you know, rest in peace. Uh, I took his public speaking class my freshman year in college at NC State. And I, you know, it, it was just easy. It was a fun class. It was easy. And, but Dr. Pond was, was really good. He was a charismatic guy. And I knew that eventually I wanted to speak, like taking that class. I was like, I want to speak, but I thought I had to be like a multimillionaire or something like that. Um, also around that time, 18, 19 years old, um, I was in a network marketing company and they made, they like had us listen to all of these like personal development, motivational tapes. Mm-hmm. So I heard Jim Rohn uh, speak and I was like, yo, I want to do that. Like he is the bomb. And uh, so th- I, I was 18, 19 years old. I was like, I'm going to be a professional speaker one day when I get rich and famous like that. That's that was the thought process. Right. When I graduated from college, Dr. Pond asked me what I was going to do. And I said, I had no idea. And he said, Odell, you, you've got to be a professional speaker. He said, you're, you're one of my best students. You had my class four years ago and I still remember you and you got, you got to be a speaker. And so then he kind of led me on the path to Toastmasters and um, finding a message that would resonate with a certain audience. And so I got my paid, my first paid speech, I would say about eight months after that conversation, because Dr. Pond was like, you need to do a lot of free speeches to make sure that you're really good. And um, so about eight months after I graduated college, I did my first paid speech for $600 um, at a community college, um, February 18th, 2008. And from that on, I was like, yo, I, I can do this. Like I really, and I didn't have a demo video. I didn't, I, you know, websites then were clunky. Right. Uh, best, uh, for me, <laughs> I had no tech knowledge at all. Um, I had my face on like, it was literally my face, like a headshot and my face, my big old head in the middle of the screen in black and gold letters. Like I was an alpha or something like that. Like it was, it was, <laughs> it was but you know, um, $600. And then it led to that the speech in Louisiana that I was talking about um, a few months after that. And did you remember how you got the community college engagement? Yes. Somebody saw me doing a free presentation and there happened to be a student at the community college. I connected with him because he was actually like a student doing graphic design and he asked if I needed any help. I said, yeah, man, I need my my book you know, designed. 
And so we connected. Then he hooked me up with the SGA president. SGA president called me. I remember the call, too. I was at my best friend's house. He said, hey, you want to come speak at Rockingham Community College? I was like, sure. He's like, we only got $600. I was like, that's fine. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> and, um, that, that was how I closed my first contract. I, I didn't even do a contract, actually. Like, that was a crazy thing. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. He called me. Me and my boy was about to go play ball. And he said, you want to come speak? I said, yes. $600. Cool. That's what's up. And I said, hey, man, I just made $600. Like, I didn't, I didn't know anything about the business or anything. So that's how I started. And that's so amazing because now I feel like we have so many resources. If you're starting in 2018 or even 2016, there's so many resources and podcasts that'll kind of give you some information about where to go, what to do, what to get started, how it looks, having a contract. But that's pretty cool. So you basically spoke for free originally. Someone saw you there and it presented you with an opportunity. And how do you go from that to how many engagements do you do a year now? Uh, Last year, I did 39, I think. Nice. Um, yeah, I did 39. I, I haven't done less than 30 in about four or five years. So wow, between 30 or 40. And how do you go from that one engagement where you're making $600 and you're telling your friend about it to doing 30 engagements a year? What did that process look like? When did you start realizing, okay, I need to formalize this and figure out how I'm going to consistently get engagements? So two things. First and foremost, I hated my job. So that that was, I think that probably the, helped. Yeah, that was one of the biggest uh, kind of fires under my butt. And, you know, Jim Rohn said we're, you know, we either go into action by inspiration or desperation. Yeah. And so I was inspired, but I was desperate because, you know, I felt like Ashley, I know, and I know talking to you, having conversations with you, I've always felt like there was more that I was supposed to be doing than just yeah. having a regular nine to five, just being like a regular dude. Mm-hmm. I just felt that. I just didn't really know going through college um, what exactly it was going to be. And so that first time, the second time, like I got up in front of Toastmasters, I was speaking. Um, it was just like, OK, this is what I'm supposed to do. So having that inspiration coupled with the desperation of, you know, working in my job, my first like big boy job out of college was I worked at a jail. Um, I was a wow. correctional officer. It was depressing. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was depressing. It was uh, sad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, the, the energy, just as soon as you walk into place, it's like, yeah, this is a place where dreams go to die. So yeah. I, I didn't want to be there. I was very vocal about that also. I was very young and naive, too. So having that naivete to say, oh, I can go be a professional speaker, like, Like, I guess like being stupid enough to believe in myself, um, that helped, but also learning that there was a whole business to it. Right. Um, Right. That's eye opening, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Like it's crazy. Um, one of my early mentors, a guy, and I'll say his name, he's got great resources still to this day, Jonathan Sprinkles, um, early mentors. I met him at that APCA conference and he told me, I remember it because it was kind of like meeting a celebrity a little bit because yeah. I've been, you know, cyber stalking him a little bit online. And I went up to him. I said, hey, man, you're Jonathan Sprinkles. And he said, yeah, what's up? And I said, I'm a professional speaker and I followed your stuff and I want to be like you. And he started laughing. He was like, oh, yeah. He said, how old are you, kid? I said, I'm 23. And he was with, like, I guess his entourage. I don't know. He was with, like, a few people. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like, who those people were. But he said, oh, he said, I started when I was 23. He said, kid, the best advice I can give you is that this business is not about talent. Yes. About talent. And, Ashley, I think you were on a, a live or something where you were talking about the best platform presenters, like, the best people on stage are not the people that make the money. Right. right. They're not. You'll see somebody that technically like their technical speaking skills are not good. I'll just say that mm-hmm. they're not good. But you look at the event and you you know that they got paid very well to do that. So when when Jonathan told me that years ago, I didn't understand it because I thought, well, I'm good. I'm, right. I'm a great speaker. And so understanding that there's a whole business side to it that doesn't have anything to do with your on stage talent 
that was the second part to how I've been able to kind of transform some things because that actually took a while for me to get. But once I got it, I, I was on my way. And the fact that people are doing things off stage to get on stage. Because I think a lot of people that I come in contact with, they're like, oh, my mom saw you speak at Navy Pier. Um, it's because they're like, oh, it must be great. Like so many people know you. You have such a big uh, online presence. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't get speaking engagements from my Instagram followers. I mean, if, if one of you follow me on Instagram and you want to give me a speaking engagement, I'm taking it. But <laughs> I typically do not get called because of that. It's like me finding them. No one's really sitting at home thinking about me. At least I don't think they are right now. Like, oh, how can I give her this money for this engagement? And I don't know if people understand that those people and the guy that you're talking about, I'm sure he had some of them. Some speakers even I didn't even recognize this, but there were some speakers that I met that have their own sales teams. So I do all of that stuff in house. But there are a lot of speakers that have people that they've trained on scripts and they are calling for them every single day. And they're making sure that their name is being in front of the right people. And all of that is just it was kind of mind blowing when I figured out that I'm at home with my computer trying to make things happen. And there are other people that have um, helped with doing that and they know what to do every single day to kind of guarantee their success. Absolutely. And that that's something that. um I'm I'm not there yet. Um, I've I've made I want to say, just you know, Uncle Sam be all up in your business. But the last mm-hmm. few years, I made over six figures speaking mm-hmm. every year. And the speakers that I know that have those teams, they like, you know, make twice and three times as much as I do. And so having that helps. But if you're a brand new speaker, a big thing I want to share with you is that most speakers that do this like as a business or it's a huge source to their income, most speakers do it by themselves. Yeah. And that's okay. I interviewed on my podcast, uh, Chris Widener, who's New York times bestselling author, um, you know, top 50 speaker in the world. Chris told me personally, he said, I still do a lot of my own outreach. Mm, that's good. But he says he, he still does a lot of it and he's on those sales calls closing still. Yeah. And, and I think for me, that was that was something that helped me because when you get into this business, it's a very vain business. And you, yeah. see, you see Ashley Kirkwood doing her thing and then you see somebody else doing their thing. And you see Odell and you see all the guests and you're like, oh, my gosh, they are doing it. And it's like we're all doing it, but we're all doing it to the level that we're doing it at because of where we've come. And we're still having to, and this was big that Chris told me, he said, people still tell me, no, he charges 20, 25,000 a speech. Mm -hmm. He's been a New York times bestselling author. He's spoken internationally multiple times. Mm -hmm. People still tell him, no, people still don't know who he is. And most of you that I I just said his name, y'all were like, y'all probably had to Google him. Like, who is that (laughs) And and that's that should allow everyone here to be like, okay, you can do this. Because I had this epiphany, and before we go to the next point, I just want to share this. Yeah, definitely. I do a lot. Uh, My business is very multifaceted. I do a lot with writing. I have my own podcast, the Odell Bazell Show. Uh, We're starting season three uh, over the summer, and so I have a lot of stuff that I do. And so I'm 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 looking at a lot of different people. Music is one of my big inspirations. I'm, I'm part-time, low-key in a group with my brother and my best friend. But, you know, that, that's just cool. something that we do. Um, but I thought about it and I said, you know, Jay-Z, probably many will argue, is the greatest, the greatest rapper of all time. Like Definitely. But when I go to these youth organizations like FBLA and I'm with a 13, 14-year-old kid, and I mentioned Jay-Z, they're like, oh, yeah, he, one kid said, yeah, that's Beyonce's husband. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Jay-Z. So here, here's the epiphany I had. I said, you can't be Jay-Z or yeah. whatever that equivalent is in your speaking industry or your speaking business. But you can be Jay-Z to somebody. Yeah. Really, oh, that's good. That's really good. The first time you heard whatever artist, your favorite artist or in the speaking industry, the first time you heard that speaker, that speaker was probably doing stuff far before you ever heard them. 
But the first time they said something that sparked something in you, you're going to forever follow that person. Yes. And like I said, I mentioned Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn's been dead for like 10 years. Hmm. And I, I still listen to his stuff. But do you think a 15 year old in Texas has heard of Jim Rohn? Right. But he, he's heard of Odell Bazell. Right. And so that and that person, that those people can follow you for years and years to come. I really like that. And I like that because I do think I just think I think it's very difficult with the social media, um, the way social media is set up for people to understand that everyone that you see, like your fave has bad days. Your fave is still getting told no. I get told no way more than I get told yes. Um, and I'm not at the level of a lot of the people that you've mentioned who've been doing it decades, but I probably get told no, if this makes anyone feel better, like hundreds of times a week because of the um, amount of people that I'm talking to about my business and what I do. And so there, there is something to just being able to start and realizing like, okay, I'm not going to be able to have a website that's at the level of like Tony Rock. So I just got my website redone and I, um, when I was talking to my web designer and I was like, these are the websites I love. I like Tony Robbins's website. I like a Yama Van Sant's website. I like Oprah's website. And obviously I'm not going to have a Tony Robbins or an Oprah or an Ayama's website right now, but you could start where you're at. Like you could do, do what you can do until you can do more and don't let small beginnings um, halt you or stop you. But people are working behind the scenes too. Cause if a New York times bestseller is still doing his own stuff and there's like, I feel very good about doing my own stuff as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And really quick on what you said, and I don't want people to overlook that. Um, and in the coaching programs that I do, we do one call a week. I mean, one call a month rather where we just, we debrief over the rejections mm. <laughs> because I'm trying to tell you when, when you said, Oh, I, I probably get rejected hundreds of times. And I'm sure that's a combination between people saying like, no, and then people not responding, people having you on the hook and never responding, like right. all of that stuff. Like that's something, if you're new to this, you have to make rejection your best friend. People yeah. don't reject you. Like they're going to reject you or Ashley, has this ever happened where you had your email, you were, you had it and the link didn't work yeah. or, or you had a typo. Yes. You, yes. Man, dang. I just sent this out to 3000 people. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and you know what? It makes you feel horrible. But what I had to learn is like progress is better than standing still and it's better than perfection. And I will. And that's the other thing. Like you can't with I have other people. I have one other person virtually or two people that virtually helped me out. And one of the hardest things was like if someone if you do have someone virtually helping you out, which is not that expensive, it's not going to cost you a ton of money. But if you if you are running multiple businesses, it may be something you look into. But the hardest part of it is people are going to make mistakes. And a lot of people, no one ever told me like started. Everyone said start a team, right? When you can, when you're profitable and it'll help you I'll do all these things. No one ever told me the anxiety you have when you make your own mistakes and that's bad enough, but with someone else making mistakes on your behalf, like that is, I think that's like 10 times worse. Cause like I had no control over this. Now I got to apologize to the client. I got to hope they don't think I'm an idiot. Like, what am I going to do? And then I have to get feedback, which is awkward. And so it, there's a lot of different parts to it. But yeah, I make mistakes. Like you'll have typos, you'll send the wrong name, you'll mass send out an email and you'll have like one of those automated um, insert name here thing in it and it won't insert the name or it'll come from your personal Gmail instead of your business. So there's a lot of things that can go south <laughs> that have gone south. Absolutely. And the big thing about, you know, those listening that are just starting or maybe you're just, you know, getting, it, it happens to everybody. And yeah. the beautiful tragedy about the world we live in today is that odds are nobody really pays attention to it anyway. Like the because yeah, we have so many marketing messages, and this will this will happen. And before I want to get into some like tips and strategies, but this will happen to you if as you're listening and you're, and you're trying to reach out. What'll happen is you will get somebody to say, uh, no, thank you. Uh, don't ever email me again. Yeah. Whatever. This is what I do, and I tell everybody this. Think what you want. I'm just telling you what's worked for me. I'm not going to email you back if you say don't email me. Yeah, of course. Right away. <laughs> right away. 
So if I if I send an email to a student life director in January of 2019 and they email me in January and say, don't email me again, I won't email them for the rest of the school year. But guess what? When that school year recycles, they're going to get an email from me again. And here's why. Because you have to believe in your heart of hearts, whether you're a new speaker, whether you're you know doing this as a side hustle just to pay off student loans or whether... Like you trying to make this a career career, you have something valuable to offer. Right. People don't know it. That's all. And that and that'll so, that'll change the way you approach it too. So then you're not approaching it like begging someone to do you a favor and give you all this money for something that you're maybe gonna do well. It's more like, hey, I have a resource for your students. I'd love to teach them how to X, Y, and Z. Does it make sense for us to hop on a call to see if we can partner? I mean, you're you don't want to approach anything from the perspective of like they're doing you a favor and giving away all of your power in the beginning. What you said is key. Like they you do have something to offer. They just don't know it yet. Um, With that in mind, how do you even start pitching? So where do you the number one question I get all the time is how do you find engagements? Right. So this is this is the biggest strategy that. I've shared and I've talked to, you know, my speaking mentors and they, they agree. Like when you're new, especially when you're new, there are going to be two primarily primary ways that you get prospects. And this is after you understand who your audience is or who, who you're reaching out to and what your topic is. So make sure that you have an idea and it doesn't have to be flushed you know, out. Be, yeah. What you're going to be talking. I know exactly what, but you have to have a general idea of what you want to talk about. When people ask you that question, what do you speak about? You need to have an answer. Uh, so whatever that answer is, whatever the ideal topic, whatever the ideal audience is, you have to have some cold outreach and some face-to-face contact. Those two things. So cold outreach via cold emails. If you're in the, the college and youth space, it's easier to get those contacts because the majority of them are public. Uh, so you can, you know, find lists. You can hire somebody off of Fiverr. You can hire somebody who, who's maybe they're a stay-at-home mom and they're just trying to find out, you know, they're just trying to get some money to help out with the diapers or whatever. But I need you to find all of the schools in Missouri or whatever. Like, yeah. get somebody to do that and make sure it's delineated properly for your CRM or your email marketing service, but you want to outreach and have a very, very simple, simple question in the outreach. You don't want to send a book. You don't want to send a paragraph. Clients I've talked to, clients that I've worked with that have hired me. They Mm -hmm. said one of the easiest things about getting emails from me is that it's simple and to the point. Hi, Ashley. Hope this email reaches you well. This is Odell Bazell. I just wanted to ask you really quick. Do you all hire speakers for your fall events? Question mark. That's it. And see, here's also the thing with that, Ashley. I will send that, an email like that, out to tons of people. Thousands. Thousands. Mm -hmm. And then maybe I'll get a couple hundred back that say no or yes, we do reach out to this person as well. It's a filtering process whenever you're doing cold outreach. Yeah. So do a lot of cold outreach. And here's a, here's a quick, quick tip. Whatever that answer is, yes, we bring in speakers, but we've already hired all of our speakers for the 2019, 2020 academic year. Cool. Make a note of that. And then retarget it's the, with the cold outreach. One of the hardest things about it is you have to constantly retarget. You have to constantly go back to that list. And so then the warm or the, the face-to-face contact, you have to get people in your face to know this is a personal, this is a personality business and this is a people business. So yeah. they, they might book your topic at first. Oh, we wanted you for our leadership conference. You were talking about this. It was awesome. Oh, you're an attorney. We wanted to speak to our professional students, blah, 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 blah. They'll book you for your topic. They'll book you for your personality the first time. The second time, they will rebook you because they like you and you worked well and you were good. And so whenever you do face-to-face, the best thing to do is to find conferences where the people that are hiring you 
go to train. Right. That's huge. Where they go to train, if, if, if you're in the youth and college space where they take their students, that's where you want to go because as much technology as we have now, still, and I'm reading a book called Contagious right now. Hmm. It's called Contagious. It says 7% of business is still done, is, is done online right there. 7%. That's so, all? That's all. That's all. And he says that in the introduction and it blew my mind. I'm like, man, that's crazy. But I right. looked back at the engagements that I got and I looked at them and I said, man, how many of these came from cold emails? And out of, let's just say I do 30 speeches a year and I have been doing that. 10 will come from cold emails. 10, mm. which is good. Which for the new speakers, you can get started. You don't have to put a whole lot of money in the cold outreach. Right. You have to make sure you align your marketing assets as best as, as, as quickly as possible. But 10. So it's like, okay, 10. Now for me, 10 won't feed my family for it. Right. But 10 is good. 20 of them, most of them, two thirds of my business comes from people that have seen me speak before at conferences or rebookings. So I want you to get that. I want you to understand that. Those are good numbers to know. It's important, especially yeah. again, when you're new, because I, I still remember it was a long time ago. I still remember when I put my foot in the ground and said, I'm going to do this thing as a business. I was mass emailing people from my Gmail account with no CRM, nothing. BCC, <laughs> blind carbon copy. It was so bad. It was horrible. <laughs> but you'd start it. Yeah, I started and I was like, how do I how do I get people to, to know me? I don't know. And you you stumble upon it. And, and here's something else from Jim Rohn is a great nugget. When you're first starting, what you lack in quality and skill, you make up in quantity. Yeah, you have to do it, though. And one one thing that breaks my heart about a lot of new speakers and causes them to quit is they don't do enough. Yeah, like they're doing the right stuff, but they're not doing enough. Yeah. So get out there and do a lot. Do a lot of that stuff cold and then research the conferences where your um, where your prospective clients train or bring their uh, students to train. That's that's really good. That's good to know. And it's good to know about that volume because it is it is a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of work. How did that first year look for you? Because I know there are some people who are like, OK, great, I'm going to start today. And they have momentum for like a month and they're like, I haven't booked anything. How did that first year look? How many engagements did you do your first year where you tried the cold calling or the cold emailing um, sequence? How many engagements did you book that first year? Right. So my I break up my speaking business into two parts. The the first part is from 2008 to about 2012. I had no idea what I was doing. Like I I would go to the conferences, to the APCAs, to the different conferences. I would go, I would set up my booth, I would pay the money, I would do all of that. Which is not cheap. Well, it's not cheap at all. And, and <laughs> my, wife, my wife still talks to me. She was getting her master's degree and we were, we were doing that from her refund checks. So it wasn't, I, mean, I ain't have it like that. I did not have it like that at all. But I, I was fortunate that my woman believed in me and um, it's working out so far, but you know, going to those things and I would never follow up Ashley. Like I, I would go there, do three workshops, maybe do a showcase and say, all right, now here come the speeches. And it wouldn't. So my first year I did three, three paid. Second okay. Second year, I think I did six. And I used to have this in a list. My computer crashed back when I was in the PC life. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, did, I think I did like three. Then I did six. Then I did one. Like it was bad because personal things too. You know, I got married, had, had our first kid. I went through a bankruptcy um, when I was 24. So I had a lot going on. Mm -hmm. But um. Those things, it's like, man, I know that I'm a good speaker. Like, I'm good. So why aren't I doing this? And then I got my first mentor. Uh, I hired my first mentor in 2010. And who and did you hire? You want, me, you want me to put his name out there in the streets like that? Yeah, right. that's, that's <laughs> if, he was, if he was good, if you re would have recommended. Yeah. yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll um, everybody that I've ever paid, the first person that I pay is a guy named Stan Pearson. Uh, still a good guy. Um, still speaking, 
He does a lot. He's in Atlanta, actually. Um, so um, that's, that's, you know, a hotbed for a lot of different things. Uh, the second guy, I'm actually interviewing him tomorrow, uh, Tom Kriegelstein. Uh, he's the founder of Swift Kick. Um, another guy who I already said, Jonathan Sprinkles. Um, so those are like the three people because they were like in the world that I was in. That's another thing. They were, they were, they had dominated in the college speaking world and that's where I wanted to dominate. So that's why I sought their advice mm-hmm. versus going to like a Les Brown's boot camp, yeah. something like that. Um, so that so kind of made the difference hiring someone. Is that what you think would be the shift then? Yeah. And, and when you can. So I'm, I'm very, very sensitive because, like I said, I shared a lot of the stuff I was going through early on. Yeah. Mentoring and, and coaching and all that stuff is worth it if you take it and treat it as an investment. So you don't go invest with Ashley's program and think, oh, Ashley's going to help me get 25 paid speaking engagements in three months. It's like, hey, now, hey, <laughs> right? <laughs> let's be real about it. It's an investment. Yeah. Whatever you invest into something, if you put it into a 401k, if you invest in a, in a CD or whatever, you put the money in there and then you let time do the growth. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So when we say invest in your business, you put the money out there, you invest in your marketing assets. And I honestly believe that if you have the money to get a coach, get a coach. But there's so much free information out here. There is. Do the free stuff first. Yes. Yes. When you're stuck or when you feel like, okay, I can go another level. That's when you level up. And that's what I did. I did all the as much as I could, low cost stuff, maybe a couple hundred dollars here, a couple hundred dollars yeah. there. Then I, I said to my wife, I said, babe, these dudes out here killing it. You've seen me speak. You've seen them speak. I'm just as good as them. I'm going to save up some money. I'm going to get a coach. And that's what I did. Um, and the coaches, it, it helped me at different points. And so when I when I got with Stan, I met him at a conference. I saw what he was doing. I basically begged him to coach me. Like I was like, "Hey man, uh, I need some some more of your time." And he was like, "All right, man. Look, you know, I, I'm on the road a lot. I have to pay." And so he told me the seasons. This is something that Stan told me. I remember way back 2010, 2011, the seasons of booking in your industry because you have to target events. That was huge. Yeah. Target events. They're not going to hire Odell Bazell because he's Odell Bazell. They're going to hire Odell Bazell because they need a speaker like Odell Bazell for this event. Right. So you've got to get that and understand that. Until you get big, until you get to a level where people are, oh my gosh, Ashley Kirkwood wrote the book. We need her. Until you all get to that level, right? you're going to be a person that, oh, we like that person's style. We like your look. If you're black, for the people that are black, they're going to hire you because you black and there is a resurgence and a necessity for diversity. You might not even talk about diversity, but they're going to pick you because you're black and you need to be okay with cashing that check. It's fine. <laughs> um, they're gonna pick it's you. fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. They're going to pick you because you're a woman. Ashley, you're a woman. You are an attorney. You know what a big selling book right now is Becoming by Michelle Obama. You know yeah. what her profession was? She was an attorney. Oh yep, my and we gosh. worked at the same law firm too, Sidley and Ashley, Austin. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ashley Kirkwood wrote the same. Oh, we have to bring her in because diversity and I have Becoming on my desk and we can't afford Michelle Obama. Right, exactly. <laughs> You're going exactly. to have to And you have to position yourself to say, okay, orientation's coming up. Now, it's probably too late, but you can still reach out to some small schools, orientation, something exciting, something dynamic for the new students. Leadership conference season in the fall. And this is what Stan told me way back when. Leadership conference, latter part of the fall, October, November. They're booking right now as, as of this recording. They're booking right now uh, for the next year. They have new student orientation, too, for January for transfer students. Reach out then. Black History Month. Hey, whatever you want to call it, they're going to have that. Um, they're also going to have a lot of leadership conferences in February and March. So you have to look and see, okay, this is 
what I'm targeting. And I, and I liken it to if you're an actor or an actress, you're not just going to, I want to be an actor. Great. You want to be an actor. What do you want to act in? I want to act in movies. So the next thing you need to know is when are the auditions for the movies? Right. And so as speakers, what we need to know is, well, when are they going to start looking for the speaker for the next event? Because odds are you're not going to create an event big enough. Now, again, if Michelle Obama said, I want to do a hundred college tour in 2020, people will sign up for that in a second. They'll get it. They'll figure it out because it's Michelle Obama or whoever, Um, whatever famous athlete that retires. Oh, my gosh. We have to bring them in and speak to our sports group. That's what they're going to do. Most of us, especially starting out at the level that I'm at, it's not like that. We can't do that. So we have to target the events that are already going on and position ourselves to be uh, selected for those. And if you do go around off season, because I remember when my um, when the law school hustle first launched, I did go to quite a few law schools. I did an independent law school book tour. But when you go off season like that, the majority of them won't have their budgets. So you'd have to either get you'd either have to bulk sell your books or sell them directly to students if you want to get that trip paid for and make money on that engagement. So you can do it if you want to get a whole lot of, um, you know, you want to do a whole lot of schools, you want to get your footage up. Schools will typically allow you to do that. The way to do that, though, would be going through student groups. If you're just trying to get a speaking engagement, you don't need to be paid for it, then that would be how you do that. And then you could sell your books to students. But those aren't the engagements that are going to be able to afford your speaking fee of 3500 or 5500 whatever it is for colleges. They just can't. They can't, and schools move slow too, so they can't really accommodate off-schedule things. And even though it may be crazy beneficial for the students, that may not be the administrator's first concern. So you have to keep that in mind too. Like students may love you, but the administrators, they have their own friends that they like hiring for conferences. And I'll never forget doing a conference where they've been using the same person for like five years. And the only reason they changed, it wasn't because the administrator wanted to change. It was because I did a breakout session and the students asked them to change. They were like, you can't, why we have the same keynote when she just killed this breakout? Why did I miss the breakout? I couldn't go. She should have been the keynote. And it wasn't like they had so many students that requested them to make a change that they made a change after five years. But that's pretty, I mean, but that just goes to show you the the, the disconnect sometimes between the audience that may love you and the administrator who's actually going to book pay for you. Like people have their own objectives, their own friends, their own connections. So you do really want to build those relationships um, and make sure you get the timeline down like you were saying, because that engagement's in November and we booked it three months ago. Right. Yeah. So they those conferences book out uh, a little bit in, in advance. But I know you've mentioned the conferences that you've attended and APCA is one of them and I'm a member of APCA. What are some other great conferences that you've been a part of and how did you get, start, speak, get started in speaking for a trio? Yeah, so I am, I tell everybody this, anybody that asks, advice anybody that you know I coach I say look look at here and listen and I, I make sure that I get my serious voice because I joke around a lot but I want to make sure <laughs> that the serious voice the dad voice that I'm about to share with you right now I need everybody to get serious and if you're looking at this audio I need you to pull your phone up look at the audio because what I'm about to say is really really serious if I had to start all over again yeah I somehow could go in a time machine and go back to 2007 when Dr. Pond said that, I would have started with TRIO for a few reasons. I'm gonna give them to you right now. The first reason is a TRIO conference. Ashley, you remember APCA. You've seen those prices. Mm-hmm. Some of you have seen those prices. Some thousands. of you have those prices. You're gonna pay thousands with yeah. the next on the with end the of it. Mm-hmm. If it's not in your city, I remember the first APCA conference I went to, I drove my 2002 Nissan Sentra all the way to Atlanta for the national conference and stayed at the Motel 8, 20 minutes away from the conference, (laughs) just to go. It's going to cost you thousands. A trio conference, the most expensive trio conference is going to cost you 2,000. But trio has over 30 regional and state conferences the most you'll pay at those regional and state conferences is $700. The most you'll pay. 
So I would have started was that it. to exhibit. So was it set up the same way as APCA? So you become a member and then you can apply to exhibit and then you go and then you make You don't it- have to be a member. All you have to do is know when the call for proposals and all that stuff opens up. Um, okay. and, and Ashley, what I want to do for, for you and your uh, audience, uh, for those uh, that are interested, I have a document. It's a Google Doc. I don't mind sharing it because somebody shared this information with me years ago when I started in TRIO. It's a list of all of the state regional conferences that I know about. It's like 31 conferences that you can look up and you can know when the call for proposals is coming out. All you have to do, Ashley, you e- you email them when the call proposals comes out, when they're getting ready. You check the, the check the website. You can put a um, you know, a, a calendar alert in your app on your phone and say, oh, it's time for me to apply to, you know, this conference. It's time for me, whatever. All you do is apply. You can pay to exhibit if you want to. If you don't want to, if you maybe you don't have any signage, maybe you don't have anything, all you have to do is pay for a registration. That's it. And so I said $700. That's if you get a booth. That's if you get a right. thing. But you don't have to join anything. You don't have to do anything. So that's why I would start TRIO. I could have gone to five or six TRIO conferences. That's the first thing. Also, TRIO, because I had a book starting out. TRIO is a grant-funded program to where they have to spend the money. A lot of what they spend, they spend money on educational resources, a.k.a. books and curriculum. If you have a book that appeals to first-generation college students becoming successful, if you are a first-generation college student and you graduated, they will call that successful. If you wrote a book, then you have money. I Every year, I have at least three TRIO, pro, at least three TRIO programs that say, hey, Odell, uh, we'd like to get 100 of your financial literacy books. Hmm. That's, That's great. I got to spend the money. Right. So I send them my books. It's like that's. That's it. So again, that's another bonus for Trio. Also, I would have started with Trio because it's it's like a family. Like you go to APCA, if you go to an APCA conference, it seems so huge and it can be intimidating for first time speakers. Trio, everybody there and you think you're getting pumped. You think it's you think they're not being genuine. Right. But they're so nice. They're so nice. Presidents of um, I, I just did a conference, Illinois Trio, in April. The president of Illinois Trio was in a workshop that I did in 2017. I met that woman one time in 2017. She didn't hire me to do anything, but what she did do is she she said, oh my gosh, did you go to Odell's workshop? He's amazing. I didn't even keynote. Hmm. I just did a couple workshops. And because every time I've done a workshop, Ashley, since 2013, I've gotten at least one full paid speaking engagement. Hear what I'm saying? Yeah. When I go to TRIO, I show up because here's the other thing. Speakers don't even come. Yeah. Don't come. Most of the people doing the workshops there and even the keynotes are academics. Right. They don't. Professional speakers do not show up. And I've been telling, I've been giving this advice through my paid program, yeah. through, through free advice since 2016. You think more people show up? Yeah, more come, but not a lot. Right. <laughs> not, a lot babe, not a lot come. And what's beautiful is even if a lot came, they have so much grant money available. They gave, they gave Trio, they refunded them over a billion dollars worth of grant money. Wow. They have to spend it. As I train my folks to come up in TRIO, they're getting $13,000 contract. They're getting $5,000 contract. They're getting all this stuff. You think it's hurting my business? Nope. Not at all. So that's what's important. That's why I love TRIO. And the stuff works. Like when you're able to get an email from a student that's 25 that had to come back to college after life happened to him, and he emails you and said, my advisor gave me my book, you changed my life. That you can't beat that. Can't beat right. that. Right. 
Right. So not only do you need to show up, you need to show up with your with your best foot forward and be ready to give them something that they can bring back and it will actually make an impact. Right. Well, now you have to be impressive. That's that's another thing. I'm glad you said that, because if, if you're not good, <laughs> they go talk about you. That's the thing about being a woman. <laughs> like they're going to talk about you. They right. still don't like you, but they're not going to hire you because I've been in those rooms tons of times. They're like, oh, my gosh, such and such was so boring. And they're talking about speaking to kids. That was putting me to sleep. Like, right. they'll, they'll let you know. So right. that's what's really important, too. And even if you're new and you're not sure, ask for feedback. Like, they'll let you know and they'll be nice about it. That's, again, like I said, Trio. I love Trio. As long as I'm, you know, blessed and, you know, have the ability to, to, to speak, I will work with Trio because Trio works, but also ease of entry. And once they love you, they love you. Yeah. And I really, I mean, I appreciate you offering that um, link to us. I'll link to that in the, in the show notes guys, so that you all can take advantage of that because that is, that's really important. And there are so many, there are so many conferences that you can go to. And I always thought it would be a pretty inexpensive thing to start. Like, oh, I'm going to start my speaking business. I'll talk to colleges. It'll be pretty inexpensive. But when you look at AFCA and NAFCA and the fees and NODA and the fees that you have to have, like just to the fee you pay to get in one, then the fee you pay to attend flight hotel, then the fee you pay to exhibit a couple grand for each of those each year when you're just starting and you have no other sustainable income to come in. It is very daunting and super expensive. So this is a really, really, really good tip. And I knew that you spoke to a lot of those organizations. So this is good. That's really good. That's like a gym, guys. That's a gym. Yeah, and I and I'll share it freely. Like it's no, you know, you have to sign up for my email. No, nah, you don't have to. Like just and we'll link to that too, so that you all can sign up for um for his email list as well. Yeah, and one more thing, and I'm glad that you said that, Ashley, about uh, speaking and starting up. Like people think because all year, and I have air quotes. Um, yeah, right. All you're doing is speaking. <laughs> It's not easy to maintain. It's easy to get started. And what I mean by get started for somebody to give you $500 to speak, give you $1,000 to speak, it's easy to get started. But to maintain it, that that's where the, the part comes in that a lot of people is difficult. And so when you're just starting, you have to understand. And I, I liken it to a marriage relationship or a parenting relationship. It's so wonderful. Oh, like my wife and I, we just celebrated 11 years. Holy oh, Natalie. congrats. Yeah, this uh, Friday, this past Friday. And people were like, oh my gosh, black love is so beautiful. It's so amazing. But we done been through some crap. And right. we didn't even, re- like people say, oh, marriage is hard. But that, what hard means is going to be different for you than it was for me. And yeah. so when you're getting into the speaking business, it seems, oh, Yes, getting paid $5,000 to just speak for 47 minutes and then I'm able to do <laughs> all my books. Oh, it's so beautiful and wonderful. Yes, it is. It really is. But then what about that $1,800 speech that you had to pay $700 to get to a small airport and you had to drive two hours to stay in the best hotel they had was a, a Motel 7. And then which like all of that, it, this stuff is difficult to do. Yeah. And you're on the road. You're on the road a lot. And so for those of us with other businesses, like I still run a law firm. It is luckily I do. My law firm is virtual. So that helps. But you're gone. You're gone a lot. And I'm, I'm married. So my husband isn't. The reason I got out of doing trial work was because I, I realized that I was gone half the year and I would have been gone half the year if I kept up doing trials at the level that I was doing them. And he was just like, you're gone all the time. And I was gone all the time working like 30 30 hours straight. So working more than a day straight, but you know, traveling isn't always cool unless you can have your family come with you. And like you're saying the delayed flights and all like traveling is cool, but then the delayed flights are not cool. Being gone isn't cool. Missing family events is not cool. Or you go to these conferences and you don't get anything out of it for the next six months. So it's not an, it's not an immediate thing. It really is a long-term thing. And I love that you told us, you know, what happened year one, year two, year three, and what really made the switch for you but 11 years in, you're doing 39 engagements a year. And that is something to note that you're not just starting anymore. Like when your calendar is full now, it's not because you're just starting out. Absolutely. And, and the ugly part is what is what builds, you know, and, and the thing you see a marriage going back to the marriage example, 
You see people, oh, my grandparents, they celebrated 48 years today or 53 years. I'm sure if you pull them aside, you're like, all right, we'll talk about the ugly years. A lot of us wouldn't have survived those ugly years. So mm. it's important for you listening as you are, are saying, oh, I want to do this. I want to, you know, be a, uh, a speaker. You've got to be ready to, to go through the ugly stuff. And just like Ashley said, I mean, when you're traveling and my dad went with me, I did a speech in Indiana and I did a speech in, uh, in Florida. And my dad went with me to Indiana because he was like, Hey, I want to come with you. I want to see how this works and all that stuff, (laughs) man. He, he, after we went to Indiana and flew to Florida, he said, son, I don't know how you do this. Like, cause we had to get up at like four o'clock in the morning to leave Indiana to get on the flight to go to Florida. And he said, yeah, you're living that rock style life. To me, people say, Odell, you must love traveling. Nope. Not really. I wish I could teleport because then I won't have to worry about because I coming up in August, I have six consecutive days that I'm speaking. I'm being Florida four days. Then I got a fly to Texas. Then I got a fly to Virginia. And I'm right now looking at those connections and everything. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I said, what? Woo, this is going to be something to write home about if I could get to all of these at, at, at the right time. Well, that comes from those seasons that you talked about and kind of knowing that you'll have really, really, really busy seasons and times when it's not as busy. And if you speak in multiple markets, so if you do, because I do colleges and then corporate conferences. So if you, colleges, the busy season is very different than the conferences that I speak at. Most of the conferences are in the summer, which happens to work out because college isn't really in session. So I'm not, it's not a huge conflict, but that means that I don't really have a slow, like I don't have a time where I'm just never, never really speaking except December, which I really don't really speak in December. Yeah. And that, and what's important to note for you getting, and I have a, a blog post called four reasons you shouldn't be a professional speaker um, <laughs> because it's, it's real. And if you want to say, well, I don't want to travel, you can do that. Like if you say, I just want to speak in, um, you know, the, the Midwest, or I only want to speak in the Southeast or the Northeast or wherever you're located, you can do that. You just have to make sure that you target the events appropriately. And even still, cause here's what's going to happen. If you say that you do it well enough, somebody from Nevada going to be like, Hey, Ashley, can you come through? And right. you're gonna that money. And so it's, it's, it's always going to be something that you have to do. But, but here's the thing about, and this is why I liken entrepreneurship in general to parenting, to, to, um, to being married, because even though it's difficult, it's, it's well worth it. Yeah. Like, it's well worth it. And once you're able to, you all have those moments where the audience comes up to you after, or they shoot you an email or a DM and they, they tell you how their grandmother passed and they didn't really want to come to school anymore and your speech changed their life. Stuff like that. Yeah. That is that is what it's about. You have the opportunity to do that. And you can't take that lightly because I would dare to say, and I haven't done the research yet, but I will. I would dare to say that most successful people, people that are making 500K and up, had somebody speak into their life. Yeah. They are. That's why they are the way they are. Somebody spoke it, not they read a book or not they saw a TV show or what, but somebody spoke it to them and that's how they're able to advance or multiple people. And so you have the opportunity to do that. It's going to be some bumps. It's going to be some obstacles, but turn those obstacles into opportunity uh, to gain opulence. That's awesome. I love that. And that is a phenomenal note to end on because it's so powerful, so impactful. And it just reminds us speakers of the power that we can have over someone else's life so we can be Jay-Z to somebody. Okay. So I love that. Odell, thank you so much for talking with us and sharing the resources that you shared and the wisdom that you shared. Where can the Speak Your Way to Cash family find you on the internet streets or on social media? Yep. So social media, Odell Bazell. Um, at Odell Bazell, O-D-E-L-L-B-I-Z-Z-E-L-L. I'm the only Odell Bazell in the known world. So that is it. Uh, online, uh, you can just go to impactspeakingtips.com, impactspeakingtips, 
Facebook.com. I share uh, free blogs, uh, little short, short videos or like 90 seconds long, uh, different speaking tips like that. So check out impactspeakingtips.com and I would love to share any more information and stay plugged into Ashley. When I tell y'all I've seen speakers come and go, I've seen speakers that offer a little bit of information. Ashley, you need to stay plugged into what she's doing because when she's on them stages, she's going to stick with the people that stuck with her. So make sure you stay plugged into her. Yeah, thank you so much for that. I appreciate it, you guys. And all right, so you all heard the tips. You all heard to, to, to go to Trio, go to his website, get this information. And thank you, thank you, thank you again. And you all always know you can find me in the Speak Your Way to Cash Facebook group. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you all soon. Wasn't that a wonderful, wonderful interview? Okay, great. So you heard from Odell. You know a little bit more about what to do. If you're in Chicago or in Atlanta, I am hosting a live Speak Your Way to Cash event for speakers where we will be teaching you how to book more paid speaking engagements. If that's something that you want to do, then head on over to Eventbrite and put in Speak Your Way to Cash and it should come right up. It's also linked in the show notes. Thank you guys for listening again and I'll talk to you next Monday.